How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we're talking with my new friend, Martin Root. Now, Martin is the co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Chicken Soup for the Soul at Work, with sales over 1.1 million copies and translations into 24 languages. He's a dynamic international speaker and consultant and president of Livelihood, a management consulting firm in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and has worked with Fortune 500 corporations, including Sony Pictures, Southern California Edison, Virgin, Apple, the World Bank, and he's been a keynote speaker for Harvard Business, Business School for years. Now, for over the last 15 years, he's been exploring people's visions for the kind of world they deeply long for, Project Heaven on Earth. So in this interview, we're going to go deep. You're going to love it. We're talking about how to create or co-create heaven on earth, even if you don't think that's possible right now and how to shift that. We're going to talk about the biggest fear that prevents most people from creating a heaven on earth. Three questions that you'll want to get very clear on to change your world and change the world. And we'll also talk about the difference between spirituality and religion. Now, don't forget that we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com or Amazon to grab your number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book available now. All right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer. And today we've got Martin Root on the show. Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you. I love the title. I'm glad you like it, man. I'm glad. I love it. it. I love it. I love it. It just, it gets me thinking right away. Well, and I think, you know, what we're going to be talking about today, Heaven on Earth, I think is uh, very pertinent to this as well. But before we get into that, Martin, I'd love to just kind of start. You've, you've got an amazing pedigree. You've got an amazing history. Uh, I'd love for everybody who doesn't know Martin to maybe just get a, a two to three minute rundown of, of you and how you got to this point in your life. Sure. Um, born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, which is like Pittsburgh. It's a steel town. Yep. Uh, so vision, transformation. I mean, none of that was present. Um, and But I always knew since I was a kid, I remember sitting on the front porch during the summer, I would read like two or three newspapers a day. I just really wanted to know about the world. And I would, I remember sitting there thinking, I'm here to change the world. And I had no idea where that came from. Nobody told me that. You know, my parents were lower middle class, working family, immigrants. Um, 
Then I went to university, started out in math, didn't like math, went to psychology, and then really liked uh, learning about people and yeah. um, went to work for the federal government, hated that. And I met a guy, Bob Branscombe, who was a uh, former vice president of a hospital in Chicago and had created this course called The Success Factor, which was about setting goals and get this, Sander, beyond what you believed possible. Oh, I I'd that. never heard of anyone saying that. You know, you can only achieve what you believe possible. No, out the window. He did not, he didn't believe that. He didn't think that was true because the premise was if you only achieve what you believe possible, then your goals will be in that realm. Yeah. And he said, if you took that constraint off, what would be present? Well, just a grand vision, a deep soul's longing. So wow. I went to Chicago, took his course, loved it, said, I'm going to bring this back to Canada, knew nothing about, I mean, nothing about business, but I knew, I just, I knew there's gold here. I quit working for the government and um, started bring, enrolling people and bringing him up to do the training. No, he said, you got to be a trainer. And so the training really was about the distinction between your mind and its limiting beliefs and your soul. And that if you planned from your soul, you could really look deep at what nourishes your soul. And so the course just produced tremendous uh, break. I mean, really, really outrageous breakthroughs. That that sounds, you know, this, this, this whole idea sounds like something that everybody's taught in college already. We're all taught about, you know, that exactly That's, right. Like, oh my God, I, I wish I was taught about this stuff. <laughs> he talked about life purpose. Who the heck ever heard of yeah. that? vision, goal setting, achieving beyond what you believe is possible, being 100% responsible, mm -hmm. you know, no room for blaming for victim. So then people said, well, would you come into my uh, company and do a speech on, on this on vision? I didn't know about speech. Sure. And then would you come and consult with us? Ah, uh, well, uh, sure. And it just kept going and going and going. I spoke at Harvard Business School on Vision four times as a result of one of our students yeah. who set a beyond belief goal, which was, she said, um, I have a beyond belief goal. Yes, I want to go to the Harvard Business School. And I said, so how do you do? You just, what do you, do you apply? Yeah, but Martin, I'm a woman. I'm Canadian. And I said, come on, when are you going to apply by? So she applied. She got in, Xander. Yeah. She phones me and she says, I got in, I got in. What can I do for you? And I, all of a sudden I said, get me a speech at Harvard at the <laughs> business school. I was so scared. Harvard, it was fabulous. I spoke there four times. Um, and then the whole consulting thing started to take off. Sony Pictures, because uh, we also moved to, this, to uh, Los Angeles, Sony Pictures Entertainment, Virgin Records, Southern California, Edison, Marion Merrill Dow, Consumer Pharmaceuticals, all dealing with, companies and individuals which because it's really a collection of individuals yeah. and their vision so um, during during that time are you still a, a lot of it is still very oriented around the the difference between you know leading with the soul rather than leading with what your mind is is really wanting you're, you're teaching this in organizations i didn't call it that because i didn't want people to get too plugged in but i talked yeah. about achieving a vision beyond what you believe possible yeah that's 
the same language. Well, this right? is th- that's a really that's a, like for everybody listening. I, I think even that little distinction is really Cute. really imp- important, right? It's taking your your soul's mission and encapsulating it in a way so that other people could better uh, accept it and and move forward with it and ca- having that impact that way. Well, but, and but the other thing that he that Bob Branscombe taught me was achieving beyond what you believe possible. Let me go into that a little bit because <laughs> yeah. this is the stuff they do not teach you at college. You're only allowed, underlined, to achieve what you believe possible. Well, let us say that I want to achieve the end of hunger. Well, but yeah. I don't believe that's possible. Okay, well then forget it. Yeah, uh, I might achieve the end of hunger among five people. Well, that's possible. So the even the idea that you want to do something like end that suffering called hunger, your mind doesn't get it, won't let you get it. But if you place that aside, yeah. and if I said, in essence, here's a magic wand, what would you like? Well, then you could say, oh, well, I want to end hunger. Ah, now we're into your soul. Yeah. And now you can start moving a tiny little step in that process. So that moved into... I came back, uh, I, as I told you, I spoke at Harvard four times. I spoke at joint meetings of the Canadian and American Chambers of Commerce in Hong Kong. I came back from the second meeting in Hong Kong and I went into a funk and I didn't know what the funk was about. It was like tongue and groove had just gone like this. Was it my marriage? No. Was it my business? No. What was it? So I go to an Augustinian monastery north of Toronto And I have this epiphany experience and I get it's about God. Now, Hmm. in 1989, to say something like that was completely terrifying for the world because they thought that you were going to impose a a particular religious point of view, which was not what I was interested in. Yeah. You know, I went to L.A. and spoke to Jack because everybody in Toronto said, don't do it, don't do it. I go to, to LA, spoke to a whole bunch of friends, including Jack, all Jack Canfield, all of whom said, go for it. And I went, oh my God, the issue is my fear of yeah. what you would think. That's another thing they don't teach you in college. Uh, so that, let's, can, I, can we talk about that for a second? Because I think that's, oh. that's very intriguing to me. And, you know, a big part of this, what limits us into this box is not actually, it's, it's almost less about what we believe is possible and more about like what we fear would happen if we went for it. Very good, sir. And so one of the things I did in those days was I walked on hot coals. I went hang gliding. I did yeah. all these outrageous things because I wanted to understand what fear was. Yeah. And you're right. It, we think it's, but it's not, it's not. And so once I saw that the issue was my fear about your reaction well, then the issue was out, you know, out the window. I'm not going to, I can't have my life be about fearing what you would think because you're going to think what you're going to think. Yeah. So I, began, I came back to Toronto and I started talking to people about spirituality. And I said, look, <clears throat> I want to talk about spirituality in the workplace. No, no, you can't, you can't. <laughs> and I said, but wait, 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 wait. Number one, I haven't defined what I mean by spirituality. This, it, this, is, this is in the, like back in the late 80s, early 90s. Yes, sir. I'm impressed. <laughs> as far as I know, I was, I was the first person to use the phrase spirituality in the workplace. There was a woman yeah. before me who used spirit in the workplace, but was not willing to use spirituality. Yeah. No, you can't use that phrase. You cannot say spirituality. And I said, so number one, 
I haven't defined what I'm talking about. And number two, I'm not asking you for anything. <laughs> I'm saying it's what I want to talk about. Why are you going crazy? What I yeah. got, Sandra, was they were afraid that I was going to proselytize, that I was going to shove a definition of, of spirituality or religion down their throat, which was not even in my thought. Yeah. But so many people thought said that, that I thought, okay, I got to break through this. How do I break through? And the idea came to me one day. What if we don't look at spirituality as answer, which could lead to proselytizing mm -hmm. or, and imposing? What if we looked at spirituality as inquiry, as question? Mm -hmm. And the analogy is this. You're in business. The question, the inquiry, rather, that you're in every day is, how do I make my business more successful? Yeah. When you come up with an answer, do you stop asking the question? No, you keep asking, asking, asking. That is, for me, what spirituality in the workplace is. And once I got that and started speaking that, you can't believe what that unleashed. People wanted their workplaces to be spiritual, not so, to impose anything on anybody or be imposed on, which if, was not what I was talking about. If, if I was to kind of translate that and tell me if I'm, tell me if I'm off here. I would almost think that it's, it, you know, the way that you put it is inquiry. It's almost like developing a curiosity. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Very okay. good. Very good. So what is spirituality? Not from my definition, but from yours, if you want. Yeah. And that, so I started uh, with a professor in Canada at the Sobe School of Business. We wanted to do this in a business school, the Center for Spirituality and the Workplace in a business school, in the preeminent English speaking uh business school in eastern canada we had a 1500 person i think it was in those days which was huge email us we had phd students we had undergraduate programs to just say it's okay and get this to have your spiritual sense nourished in this place called work i know i can do it at home i know i can do it in places of spiritual or religious worship why do i have to check my soul my spirit when i go yeah. to work you don't so there's not now even down to there. Yeah. There's an academic journal called the Journal of Management, Spirituality, and Religion. An academic journal looking at it. All right. So wow. now we moved spirituality work forward. I'm going to be doing this uh, keynote address in Santa Fe about 30 years ago, right? At a conference on spirituality and work. <clears throat> I'm sitting in the green room getting ready to go on. And this thought pops into my mind. If every business in the world is spiritual, is that what you want? And I said, hmm, no, if we could transform business, because business is the temporal power in the world, we could transform the world. And yeah. then this thought popped into my mind, oh, you mean heaven on earth. And I went, excuse, well, I can say this because the title of your book. I said, holy shit, you can't say that. <laughs> and I thought, why not? And so these last 30 years have been an inquiry into what is heaven on earth and how do you evoke that? Again, not me saying this is heaven on earth. You got to buy my answer. That's not going to work. Curiosity and inquiry into it. Yeah, correct. So, so, so can I, can I, can I ask you then? What is, what, what is heaven on earth? <laughs> you can ask it. I'm not going to tell you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me. You can't tell me the answer, right? I can tell you my answer. Your answer, but not the answer. But not your answer, correct? Yeah. But what I've discovered in because when I started doing this inquiry was I went around to hundreds of people saying, 
what's heaven on earth? What's heaven on earth? What's heaven? I really didn't know. I really did not know to your word, curiosity. What happened was I began to get these three questions crystallized out and I call them the heaven on earth questions. And we, I didn't ask you this beforehand, but can I ask you the questions? Would you be willing to answer? Sure. All right. Yeah. I guess, I guess we're flipping the script here. I'm now the interviewee. (laughs) Let's do it. So didn't what? know this is what I was signing up for, but let's go. <laughs> oh, where's the contract? Oh, it's in the next one. <laughs> um, question one. And and I want your listeners and viewers to stop after I ask the question and answer it for themselves. So question one, recall a time when you experienced heaven on earth. What was going on? Oh, okay. Um, first thing that pops into my head is just being with family and friends, laughing, having a good time, connecting. I think connecting deeply is, is what it really was. Good. Second question. Here's a magic wand. And with this magic wand, you can have heaven on earth. Yeah. What's heaven on earth? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say my my ideal of heaven on earth would probably be everybody every you know not because it's so funny like literally i felt myself limit myself for a second and then i was like i was like no this is a magic wand just like you mentioned don't limit um it would be every single person on the face of the earth living living their highest version of themselves their their true you know living from from purpose love and growth rather than from you mentioned it earlier fear i believe fear is is the the biggest limiting factor in our our consciousness growth as a community um as a population so living more from purpose and love and growth rather than fear if i could make wave a magic wand everybody would be acting from purpose love and growth all the time lovely third question what simple easy concrete step what simple easy concrete step will you take in the next 24 hours to have more of that in the world uh can it be something that I'm already doing, which is going to tell my podcast manager to get this cut up and properly produced so that we can get it showing to people? <laughs> if, if you say that it is with an intention to have more heaven on earth. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the it, what this really does for me, you know, the, the action that I would like to take is just making sure that I'm because a, a lot of this is already my mission in high impact coaching and shit you don't learn in college. It's what we're doing. Um, so for me, it's almost the action that I would take in the next 24 hours is make sure that I, I am setting up something to remind myself of the importance of what I'm doing so that I never forget the why behind it, because I, I truly believe what we are doing is actually building heaven on earth right now. And so a uh, little sidebar question. Do you know, just off the top of your head, quickly answer this question. What is that reminder? Um, it's actually, I have a whiteboard right here. So uh, it's a whiteboard that I look at every single day when I walk into my office. So figuring out something to put on that whiteboard. So every day when I walk in here, I see all my my material goals, all my you know what I what the goal for the year is, where we're gonna what we're gonna be doing this quarter, what we're gonna be doing this month, this week. But having the big vision of the reminder of what heaven on earth is for me, so that I am constantly programming that into my my subconscious, so that my mind will allow my heart and my soul and my spirit to do what it needs to do. Oh, yeah. Now let's go through the questions one by one. Yeah. Question one, recall a time when you, by the way, do I need to, do I need to pay you for this coaching session? Like this is is great. This is (laughs) phenomenal. Sorry. Keep going. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say no to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, question one. Yeah. Recall a time when you experienced heaven on earth. What was going on? What you did was answer the question. You said family, laughing, connecting. You went right to it. What you didn't do, Xander, and what nobody does is yeah. say, Martin, what do you mean by heaven on earth? Huh. How do you know what I'm talking about? I never said. We know. Exactly. There we is know. Something... I know. I don't need to ask you that question. No, you do not. There is what I call an already knowing within your divine soul about what mm. heaven on earth is. And when I ask you the question, bang, you go right to it. Now, yeah. second question. Here's a magic wand and with it, you can have heaven on earth. The purpose of the magic wand is to remove the necessity of having to know how. Yeah. Because we think that we have to know how we're going to do something before we do it. That's if you know how to do it. But what if you don't know how to do it? Like co-creating heaven on earth. Well, it's no longer your job because the magic it's wand. It's the wand. Oh, yeah. It's the wand. I just wave the wand and I can have it. Yes, you can. Oh, well, then let me tell you what heaven on earth. And you went right to it. Bang. Everybody living their highest vision, values of purpose, love, and growth present in the world. Yeah. You know exactly what it was. And Xander, people know exactly what heaven on earth is for them. And then the third question, I don't want to just leave it there. I want to have you actually engage with it now, immediately, 24 hours. Okay, Martin, I will put that on my, I'll put those values and heaven on earth on the bottom of my whiteboard. So I see that every day. Yeah. So do you see, you can't come to somebody and say, what's heaven on earth for you? It's too big a question. If you come at it from recall a time, oh, boom. Now, so now they've anchored to it. Here's the magic wand. Oh, well, I don't have to know that magic wand. Let it do the work. Fine. Let, then bang, they tell you. And then uh, the simple, easy steps. So those yeah. three questions distilled out of asking hundreds and hundreds of people. And then from there, there are what, what happened when you ask that question hundreds and hundreds of times. You start to see what I call the gateways. But let me just pause there uh, sure. before we go to, to gateways. Do you want to? Say anything about those? Uh, yeah, I think my the 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 you know my mind now goes to you've obviously asked these questions to a lot of people. Um, I'm curious because you know we 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 are saying that every single person has their own heaven on earth. Do you see things kind of crop up that there you know maybe there's categories and groups of what heaven on earth is to certain people? Yeah. Is yes, there sir. is there anything? Yeah, anything that comes up more than others? They're called the gateways. So, oh, so, so this was a perfect question to the next part. <laughs> that's I did the not, I did not plan this. That's the, really? No. Okay, good, 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 good. That's what Project Heaven on Earth is about. Okay. Yes. There are distinct gateways that always come up. Yeah. Like Heaven on Earth is inner. There are people who say the gateway is inner. The more that what they, those people say is, the more inner, the more heaven on earth in here, the more non-heaven on earth I get rid of, the more heaven on earth will be out in the world. Yeah. Another gateway is values. There are people who say living a personal value is the way to create heaven on earth. That's your gateway, by the way. Yeah. Purpose, love, growth, bang. Very clear. Those are values. Yep. Imagine if those values were present and lived globally, Xander, what that would do for you. You'd be in heaven on earth, right? Because that's, yeah. that's your gateway. 
Then there's relationships, the gateway of relationships. Relationship with myself, with somebody else, and with somebody's else, and with the divine. Yes. So what parts of those are hell on earth? What parts of are heaven on earth? How do you expand that? Then we get, so we're inner, then we go values a little farther up, then we go relationships a little farther up, then we go into the outer world. There are people who say, wait, 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 heaven on earth. Well, look at all the sufferings in the world, hunger, war, poverty. What are you crazy? Yeah. You got to end. There are people for whom the gateway is ending a suffering. And what's interesting is there will usually be one suffering that is the suffering for them. Yeah. I call it the keystone, like a bridge. If that suffering is eliminated the whole, from the whole world, thing topples down. Correct. <laughs> then there are people who very few who take on institutions. What if the purpose of institutions, government, law, medicine, healthcare, what if the purpose of those institutions of society was to co-create heaven on earth? What would they do? Yeah. Then we go to nations. My country is a heaven on earth nation. We have a guy from Africa in Montreal. He's from Gabon, the country of Gabon in Africa. His project is, you're not going to believe, it's unbelievable. Africa is a heaven on earth continent. Yeah. He set up a Facebook page. That's That was his dream. The moment he heard me speak about heaven and earth, he went nuts. That's it. That's it. That's it. I love that. Um, what else am I missing? So nations. Oh, then this here now. There are those people who say, no, this is heaven on earth. Look, right now. And our belief that it's not is what keep, keeps us away. So the, in the, the book. The separation from that belief is actually what keeps us, keeps us away. The separation that. from that knowing. Yeah, the knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the book, Project Heaven on Earth, I go through each of those gateways so that by the time you're finished the book, you know what your project is. Because there's a unique project that you will discover mm -hmm. for you that will start opening heaven on earth for you so that each day you create more and more and more and more. And so let me stop there. So that was your question on gateways. <laughs> no, that's perfect. I mean, so I think my one, my one question around this is the idea, you know, this is something that we kind of talked about a little bit earlier. The idea of heaven does have some religious connotations. Do you, do you have any, like, uh, I, I guess, does, does that uh, impose any limitations or any uh, resistance because of this idea of like heaven on earth for people? Very good question. The answer is yes. Yeah. Because people instantly think that I'm going to proselytize a particular religious point of view. Yeah. But once they've answered the three questions at the same time it just makes it so like when you asked that question i knew exactly what you were asking <laughs> like there's no other there's no other way to ask it really i don't think no ex thank you because people well, why don't you use vision no it's not vision it's much deeper than vision yeah. much much deeper so now there's so there's two aspects one is once they've answered the three heaven on earth questions, they don't raise that question again because they realize that it's from their point of view. Yeah. Secondly, notice that I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about heaven on earth. Right. Very different. So one of the first things I had to look at was people's notion about heaven. Heaven is, and this is almost everybody, heaven is where you go after you die. Upstairs, God and the angels up there. But here's the assumption underneath but not here, yeah. not now. So the hells on earth that we have are permissible. No, 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 no. I think part of what and COVID is doing is making us look at the whole story 
of what it means to be a human and what it means to be a humanity. And I'm saying, okay, let's name that story. We're co-creating heaven on earth. Let me let me let me ask you a question around that because you you just kind of brought up another another term, the hells on earth. Right? Yeah. So so what like how can we how can we go down that direction to help us just become conscious and aware of maybe these things that what we can like you mentioned this earlier take we can take ownership over some of these things that we are probably involved in that are creating these hells on earth. Is that right? Is that am I getting that correct? Yeah. yeah. I remember going and the book is dedicated to this young girl. I was at a home for um, starving children yeah. in uh, Brazil with a friend. You can see how it affects me. And uh, there was this young 12-year-old girl with cigarette burns all over her body, heavily abused. I mean, shocking, shocking. I was I literally was so mad that the first time in my life I actually thought I could kill somebody. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't, but I actually I mean, think, I, thinking about that right now, I can see how you'd get there. And so I, I she wouldn't speak to me, you know, because I drew. Clo- no. OK, fine. So I withdrew. And there was a little teddy bear, you know, and I thought, well, maybe if I no, nope, not even that. And so I just said in my mind to her, you know, I'm sorry for this. This is wrong. And she became one of the one of the impetuses for this work in this book, that kind of unnecessary, immoral, ongoing suffering. That's the shit in the world. And part yeah. of heaven on earth is to clean that hell on earth up. Yeah, It's not only about you and I go for a walk and have a wonderful meal. That's heaven on earth. That's wonderful. It's also about this, the shit in the world that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I think this is the type of stuff that like, you know, a lot of people don't really talk about. And I think it needs to be talked about. Right. I think, you know, being, you know, if part of creating heaven on earth is is cleaning up the hells on earth, you know, I think we need to be willing to have the conversations and, and go there. And I think this is also the shit you don't learn in college. This is the stuff that's, you know, when we're in our little bubble, we're not really talking about, we're not really exposed to, we're just kind of going down the 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 you know the rat race and we don't really take a deeper look on what are some of the things that we should actually be taking action on now and i love that part of the three questions it's like what can you do in the next 24 hours how can we start what what can you what will you do what will you do what will you do in the next 24 hours so that we can we can get this moving forward so that it's not just not just a dream but it's actually becoming heaven on earth so let me speak to that so yeah, it's more than just a good idea. Let me give you some very concrete examples of what's yeah. going on around the world. We have an editor of a newspaper in Dehradun, India. He saw me written up in a book and he called, you know, can we do an interview? Sure, fine. So we do an interview, lovely interview, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, he, I said, so what are you going to do for heaven on earth? Me, what can I do? And so we talked, anyway, on the masthead of the new newspaper, it's called the Dehradun Street. In capital letters, Dehradun, a heaven on earth city. Every time that newspaper is published, people see it, see it, see it, see it, see it. It goes into the consciousness. I have a woman in Hawaii who put her definition of heaven on earth, embedded it in every email that she sent out. She she asked the second question. Imagine you have a magic wand and with it, you can have heaven on earth. What's heaven on earth for you? For me... And it's, it, she grows little microgreens, excuse me. It's about essentially recreating the Garden of Eden. Love we that. had a, a real estate agent in Halifax, Canada, who said, we were talking over coffee one day, is there a suffering in the world that bothers you? Yes, 
homelessness. Xander, she went up, she went white. You could see how this suffering deeply, deeply hurt her. Okay, so what's heaven on earth for? For homelessness. Well, obviously a home for everyone. Oh, but Martin, you don't understand. I'm a real estate agent. I work 87 hours a day, nine days a week. I'm in a relationship that takes another 20 hours a day, blah, blah, blah. Fine. What are you going to do? Oh, so she goes back to her agency, 10 agents, sits them down and says, okay, we're going to create a home for everyone. Easily. Here's how. I'm asking you to agree that every time you sell a home or a building, you agree to have $100 taken off your commission check and we'll put it in this pot. All you have to do is say yes once, done. Everybody says yes. Last time I spoke to her about a year ago, she's now moved to another one and I'll tell you what she's doing in the new one. They had raised over $400,000 and they became known as a home for everyone. Now imagine a real estate agency being known for a home. It's a win-win-win for everybody. Yeah. She's now gone to another agency, Engler Vokler, in which they're actually buying a house they just bought a guy a house for a guy who has severe kidney disease and people again just uh, contributing a women's group we're talking uh, i'll tell you the issue violence against women martin i've been to the police i've been to the government nothing what would you do well, i don't know uh, uh, you could donate some money well you could donate a, a penny you could donate $5000 i don't know your financial situation well what good would a penny do one of the other women on the call said, wait a minute, what if everybody in your county donated a penny a day for an entire year to help end violence against women? She went, oh my God. They started a program, Xander, called Making Change, in which they handed out a little mason jar with a picture of a woman, half her face bright alive, half her face beaten up, bruised. They raised $2,500 in a year. They took that, this is in Canada, took it to a group in, in the federal government called Status of Women, who gave them $100,000 for each of the subsequent three years. Wow. What difference would a penny make? Wow. A cop, it, and it, it a, all just comes back to that, that one thing. You just do this one thing, and all of a sudden, you can create such a big impact. A cop in Texas has created a 16-page manual called Heaven on Earth for Policing. And now, I also know in terms of numbers that this is working, if you go on Google and put in the phrase heaven on earth in quotes 2020 and heaven on earth 2021, there has been a 64% increase. It went from like 4.5 million to 6 point something million. 64% increase in the use of that term in one year. And this year is even larger already. Wow. And we're just into January. So on many... And I, I do Google alert every day on heaven on earth. And sometimes I just, I can't read. There's too many. I was going to say, you're probably too, got too many of them now. <laughs> Which is a lovely problem to have. So yeah. it's much more than a good idea. It is actually happening. Let me do a little. It's, it's movement. It's change. Like you mentioned. It is. I want you to tell me the name of the book. Project heaven on earth. Now, there's another title embedded in the same title. Project, project heaven on earth. It's the noun, project heaven on earth. You and I are working <laughs> on this project and project the verb heaven yep. on earth. Yeah. So it, it's a statement of being and doing so that we can have. That's what heaven on earth is. I, I love that so much, Martin. I want everybody who's listening to this right now to, to ask yourself those three questions. And I know Martin mentioned while you were going through this, 
um, you know, to pause and ask yourself those three questions as I was being asked it, but it, you just gave some amazing examples, how we can start to move some of this forward and actually start to create that difference. Um, I, you know, I could probably talk about this for the next couple of days straight. That being said, we do have our material lives to get back to, um, what would, where can people find out more about project heaven on earth about Martin? Uh, where can they learn more about getting into this work? Projectheavenonearth.com. You can sign up for a free uh, seven-day course and a weekly blog. The blog is very important because every Sunday morning, you'll get another aspect of heaven on earth. It will normalize heaven on earth for you. That's help very... you Help you realize what's possible. Yeah. The other thing I want to recommend is go to Amazon and buy three of these books, not one, three, buy three of these books. Why? One for you. One for somebody in your life right now that you know needs this. Who is that person? And one for somebody who's going to come into your life. I love it. Beautiful, Martin. This has been absolutely great. Everybody make sure to go to Amazon and buy that book. Um, I can't thank you enough. I think our audience is going to get a ton from this. Uh, Martin, thanks so much. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Xander. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.